Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome everyone to today's edition of Calvary Live. And your questions, 303-690-3000. want you to call, get on the air. Let's talk about what's on your mind. Uh, you can text me. I want you to do that as well, 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. This is Calvary Live. It originates from the studios at Grace FM here in Colorado, an outreach ministry of Calvary Church, or you might know us as Calvary Aurora, or you might know us as Calvary Chapel Aurora. Uh, but however you are connected to us as a church, we are grateful to be able to serve you. We're grateful to be able to flip a switch in all the electronics that we've got in that room and all the things it takes to run a station and come live to you. So if you're listening on Grace FM or online through our Grace FM app, which is free, or gracefm.com, if you're listening in that uh, way, you're listening live, and we're glad that you joined us. We're also on other radio stations around the country And if you're hearing this on another radio station in another state, you're hearing this one week delayed. And so, yes, it is live. And when we broadcast it, it's live. But if you're hearing it on another station other than Grace FM, you are hearing it one week delayed. Now, what that means is, is that you can call in right now as you hear me talk. I will take the call on the air. We'll answer it. And a whole audience will hear it and be encouraged. But then a week later... Another audience gets to hear it, and you can tune into your own station and hear yourself the following week, which is kind of cool. So whether you're listening live, I mean, it is live, uh, it's just rebroadcast on other stations. Good. Uh, It's just a good thing to talk about the things of the Lord. We had, uh, you know, we have a midweek Bible study here at Calvary Church. It's important. I know some churches are abandoning midweek Bible studies. Uh, They're replacing it with uh, home groups, which I think home groups are great. We have both, and I think we need both because we need a corporate gathering and we need smaller gatherings, and we're retooling, actually. Uh, we have been for some time, but COVID has changed You know things where we're retooling our community groups and can't wait to launch them again. But we have a midweek Bible study, and it for a large church like ours, we you know, you're looking for those places where you can have Acts 2.42 not just in the homes, but also in the church, in the building. And so Wednesday nights is our, our, real, our attempt at Acts 2.42, and it is an opportunity for us to t- go through another book of the Bible together, and we get to pray together. We literally stop our service. They, I, mean, I wouldn't say stop it. We, we literally have scheduled in our service focused prayer. We call it Give 10. Sometimes it's more or less, but we at least pray every every Wednesday night for 10 minutes together in small groups over uh, 
you know, request that pastors and folks on our staff put together, and and then they go up and pray and lead us in prayer on the stage, and it's beautiful. Uh, I love it. I love what God's doing. Uh, COVID and all this stuff's not going to stop the church. Just remember that. Wherever you land in all this, COVID doesn't stop the church. The government doesn't stop the church. As we're going to learn in, on Wednesday nights here pretty soon as we start First Peter, Nero was cutting Christians' heads off. Didn't stop the church, folks. Um, and I just, it, it, it's uncomfortable, it's challenging. It's, the church is not going to stop. I'm not going to stop until my head gets cut off or whatever. I'm not going to stop. Uh, and, and even as I attempt to lead our congregation in a way to love our neighbors and honor the king to the point, you know, again, Caesar, if you want to call honor Caesar, honor the king, honor the government authorities in their ability to, to keep civil order. Um, and, you know, I've taught it very clearly. Uh, couldn't be clearer when the government tells us to do something that disobeys God. He's the higher authority. We obey God. Couldn't be clearer. That's that. Let's get let's be busy about the father's business. The the father's business isn't saving the church. The church doesn't need saving. It doesn't need to be defined as essential. It it shouldn't surprise us that the government authorities define the church as not essential. Of course. That's the world. And that's the way it is. They are saying what we already know to be true, unless there's a believer in, in office. We already know it. We already know it. So why don't we learn how to navigate through troubled waters and be a good witness to our community? And we're trying to do that. It's hard. So you're a pastor listening. It's hard. I get it. But we're meeting. Uh, we're actually looking at putting a, our, our sign on the corner burned out a long time ago. I think it's 14 years old. So we weren't able to replace it before COVID. We were doing all kinds of remodeling in our bu building and so we're back to banners. Praise God. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I'd rather have a nice shiny sign up there, but it doesn't matter. We're back to banners. And so we got a brother on the staff that is creating a banner so we can communicate to our city. We're back in person and welcome home. We want you here. Bring your friends, bring your family. We will not turn you away. Uh, we will find a way for you to worship with us. Um, and just, I've been doing, obviously I do invitations pretty much every service. I can't say every service. Uh, like a formal invitation, although I share the gospel in every teaching, uh, I would say 90% of the time, I wish it was 100, but time gets away from me, uh, and I don't get a formal one, but 90% of the time I get a formal invitation. But last week, uh, I gave an invitation to the stage, altar call, prayed with people to receive the Lord, and to rededicate their lives with my mask on. They had masks on, I have masks on, and Jesus saved souls. I thought, I, I was just, uh, I remember when we opened up, and I'm just wanting to encourage you guys that are afraid to go back to church, maybe you're walking in fear. I'm not talking about like real wisdom where you are extremely concerned about the virus or extremely concerned about infecting someone else. I'm not speaking to that category of person. I'm speaking to the category of person that's walking in fear because you've consumed too much media or you might have a bent toward fear and anxiety. And this is wild and it has made you more fearful than you've ever been before. Um, 
would you consider prayerfully going back to your church, please? It's good for you. It's good for the people you're going to be at church with. You know, for us, we have some pretty tight restrictions once when you're in the building, but the moment you walk out, you can do whatever you want. I, I For the last uh, uh, couple of weeks, I've noticed people fellowshipping in the parking lot uh, on Wednesday nights. It's been great, glorious, just talking on the bed of a truck or praying on the steps or, man, I, you can do whatever you want. And, and we just ask that you are careful. Please follow our, our guidelines within the building. That's it. Uh, and and they're not harsh, you know. They're we got social distancing, we got masks, um, and I'm going to give you a heads up, everybody, before our Friday Connect comes out. If you're a part of Calvary Church, guess what? We are launching in two weeks. We are opening up in phases our children's ministry again. Mon, uh, so let me give. I have two two cool announcements. Uh, so we're going to go from nursery to five years old, starting in a couple weeks. At, 10, at our 1045 service. And we're going to be launching in and, and learning what it's like with the, new, with the new restrictions. And then over week after week, or every couple of weeks, we're hoping to, to do more. We're hoping to do more. And it is, you know, you're like, come on, Ed, you're just, what, what is it? You're so conservative. You're so cautious. That's how God made me. And uh, that's how he uses me. Uh, I know you, other churches don't, don't even care. They they pretend like it didn't even happen. Oh, the virus is nothing. I, I don't fall into that category. Um, I fall into the category of, of wisdom. I want to walk in wisdom. I don't want to be foolish. And it's, it would be foolish to thumb our noses at everything. But rather, we can find a way uh, to cooperate and worship God at the same time. Because, you know, come on, most of the ministry doesn't happen in the building anyway, right? It's just an hour and a half. Or, or for some of us that are there, more hours. But it, the building's not the ministry. The building's the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. It's a, it's a proving ground so that when you leave for the rest of the week, that's where the ministry takes place. So uh, go for it. Like, come back. I'm inviting you guys at Calvary Church. So be looking for the Calvary Connect, you, or Friday Connect. You've got to get it. You've got to be on the email list, or you can get it on our website, calvaryco.church. Uh, so to get on our email list, go to calvaryco.church, scroll to the bottom on the right-hand side. It says, you know, sign up for our email or whatever, whatever it says there. Scroll down to the bottom, calvaryco.church to the right-hand side. And you guys in any state around the country, you can get the Friday Connect so you could pray for us. I know you may not, and maybe one day you'll get to visit us. I'll get to meet you, but like, like pray for us. We need it and we want it. The other thing I, I get to announce, and we already done it, so it's not like a startling thing, but Monday, our Calvary Academy is welcoming back the students in for in-person learning. So the teachers have been working feverishly, the administration getting ready for your kids to come back on property. And it's a mutual agreement between you and us. We're doing everything we can reasonably to mitigate the virus in the building. We're following the CDC guidelines and most of the Colorado guidelines. And we are following the added guidelines for the schools. I mean, it's guideline. We are, we are lo- typically a low rule church, and this is st- launched rules in the stratosphere. So just pray for us, would you? We're going to go to the phone lines uh, to Loveland, Colorado. Karina, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. Hey, what's up? I have. I have a question. Um, I've been trying to understand uh, 
Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and 27. Okay. Um, there's so much I know going on there, but um, if you could just break it down for me a little bit so I kind of get a little bit better handle on it, I guess. Okay, let's, uh, first of all, for folks that are listening, let's read it uh, so that we can, uh, of course, it's in the middle of the most epic chapter in all the Bible, and in verse 26, he begins to say, after 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war of desolations are determined. Then he'll confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. And so as we come to the end of chapter 9 there, uh, you you see the last period of human history, the last seven years on planet Earth, the what's known as the 70th week of Daniel, which you see earlier in chapter 9, is being described here. And what he's describing is something that's still yet future. And, and now we know, because if you jump back to verse 24, you have the 70 weeks so we, I go, I go through this, and we just finished Daniel. So I'd encourage you go to our website or go to our app, and we just posted Daniel because I just finished teaching through Daniel on Wednesday nights, and we went through this line by line. And the seventy weeks that are determined for your people to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, um, that's the first part of the seventy weeks the 69 weeks, the and I go through the math of, of the Jewish calendar with 69 weeks times seven days, to, uh, or times seven times 360. Uh, you count those days and come to April 6, 8032. I go through all of that. But then you see, he then says to make, uh, to bring in everlasting righteousness. That's a key. That's a timing key in this text because the question we have to ask is, have you seen everlasting righteousness brought in yet? No. No. And that now is taking us into the future. So that hasn't okay. happened yet. And the dividing line is after the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off. And you start going through as the, as the time clock for Israel and the time clock for human history comes through that 70th week. And we believe the 70th week of Daniel is actually known as the Great Tribulation Period. Uh, and there's insight on God's heart for the nation of Israel. He, you know, there's some churches today that teach that God is done with Israel. He's not done with Israel. Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11 uh, shows that there'll be a time when God's heart once again turns to the nation of Israel, to the Jewish nation. And so the Time clock for Israel has stopped. We're kind of in between. Uh, we have 69 weeks, and then we have a gap of time between that 69th week and the 70th, the last seven years of human history. The gap of time is God's attention now to the Gentiles. So let me ask you this. Are you a, Gen are you a Gentile or a Jew? I'm a Gentile. And so you can be thankful for the gap of time. Because God turned his attention to the broader scope of the world, which most of us are Gentiles, and the gap will continue 
from the ascension of Jesus Christ till the rapture of the church, the gap will continue until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And when the fullness of the Gentiles comes in, boom, verse 27 speaks of the Antichrist coming on the scene, making a covenant for many for one week. And what's that week? The 70th week of Daniel. What's the 70th week of Daniel? The final seven-year tribulation period described for us in the book of Revelation. And so that's a little brief summary. But I'd encourage you, go through the book of Daniel with us. Uh, I don't remember. Let me see how many studies it ended up being. 40 studies, verse by verse, in the book of Daniel. Okay. And I can find that on your website, right? Yeah, either on the website or the app. They both have the same. They both pull from the same database. Okay. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor Ed. That um, is a lot to to, um, digest. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) It is. That's that's why it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. It really is exciting. Like when we started Daniel, uh, I started Daniel. I'm looking here. We started Daniel chapter one, verse one on March 21st, 2019. So a year ago, March. And just really praying through, you know, I think it was time. I could sense, you know, geopolitical things were changing. I could, sen- and it's been a while since mm-hmm. we went through this book. So, but what, what, who would have been able to think? That by the time we get to March 2020, you know what we started in the first week of March 2020? We were in Daniel chapter 9. That's what we started. And and then we took that long break. But actually, we never broke. I continued teaching Daniel, you know, online on Wednesday nights to an empty room until we started to gather together. And then when we started gathering together again... Uh, the timing of Daniel, because only God can do this, because we don't, like, generally at Calvary, we don't, like, pick the studies. We just, whatever the next verse is, that's what we're teaching on until we finish the right. book. But but the timing of God is amazing, because then, by the time, it looks, I'm looking at the dates here, you know, by the time May comes along, June, I started a mini-series within Daniel, because, you know, in Daniel chapter 12, it talks about, as he's winding the book book down, Daniel's being told what you're writing is for the future. It's for the end times. And, you know, all this unbelievable stuff is happening. And so I, I ended with a mini series called Understanding the Times. And we just looked at what the Bible had to say. This is what the Bible says. Do you think you're living in it? This is what the Bible says. Does it sound familiar? Week after week, week after week, so that we would be prepared. And so we just finished it. And it's in, in its entirety, the study of the book of Daniel is is like such a dynamic, stirring book. So I'm glad that you're jumping in and and wanting to learn it. Yeah, I've been following you quite a bit. Um, but I guess I, I got confused. I, was, I wasn't sure if you were still in Daniel because every time I'd get on um, the radio, I would hear it. And, and I was like, okay, what is that for now? Or is that last year? So I was, I was, I, obviously it was both. So, okay, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Pastor. Well, and- I greatly appreciate it. And I'll just I'll just help you a little too because what what you might have heard on the radio was live, right? And then we just finished last week, right? So up until last week, but now because of the timing of everything too, we're we're finishing Romans like here in a in less than a couple weeks, so that we're going to air that that fresh new Daniel series on our daily broadcast too. So it'll be oh. like we just think it's God's message for now, and it's 
So we're going to air it around the country on Abounding Grace starting in a couple weeks. Yeah, I just, I get the sense that, you know, it's it's not that, that it's never a serious moment and a sobering moment when you're reading the Word of God, but it's it's also like you kind of feel, at least I feel, more than ever, it's not about defending, but it's about reassuring others around you that this is the living, breathing Word of God. I'm not yes. just reading a book. It's, it doesn't have, it's not just about pages that are bound together, you know, this is bound together right. by God's breath, you know, so it's yep. so important to know it, it's so important to understand it, and to keep seeking until you understand it, and ask the Lord for understanding when you're reading and praying about it, so that you're able to have it minister to you and minister to others, and I just, I'm just so thankful that, you know, our nation, we're still able to do that, and open it up freely, and celebrate with other believers it's 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 nice well thanks for calling and um tell me how it goes call back in a while and tell me how it goes all right pastor thank you very much all right bye-bye bye-bye 303-690-3000 is the number taking your calls and your questions uh, we're grateful that you're tuned in i uh, don't see any uh text questions so if you want to uh, text me give me a call 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. Text me seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Back to the phone lines. We're going to go to Fort Collins now. Mike in Fort Collins. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Mike. How are you? So I got I'm great. How are you? I've been reading chapter four and for Second Kings, and I'm hung up on uh, verses thirty-eight through forty-one. Okay. Uh, it says, Elijah, I, I got it pulled up on my phone here. Okay, great. It says, and Elijah returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in the land. Now the sons of the prophets were sitting before him, and he said to his servant, Put on the large pot and boil stew for the sons of the prophets. So one went out into the field and gathered herbs and found a wild vine and gathered from it a lap full of wild gourds came and placed them in the pot of stew. So they did not know what they were. <clears throat> then they served it to the men to eat. Now it happened as they were eating the stew that they cried out and said, Man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. So he said, Then bring in some flour and put it into the pot and said, Serve it to the people that they may eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. So I guess I'm kind of lost there on what it's supposed to mean. Well, we know that the what's being recorded for us is a miraculous work of God uh, in the this food, you know, and what is uh, what Elisha is dealing with um, in making the food. So I'm looking at this section of scripture, and I'm reminded of of how faithful God is to take care of us. You know, the the reality of this, in its most simple form, is that a mir- miracle took place. And the poison that was in that pot, it was taken away. And it was another miracle. You know, you kind of look through the ministry of Elijah in handing over to Elisha as prophets of God. One of the ways that God affirmed their their prophetic office was by doing miracles through them. Uh, and, right. and so miraculously, the poison was removed. But there's also a spiritual message to, to the people then, uh, and also to us now, 
You know, God is once again bringing judgment upon the nation, uh, withholding the faithfulness of God, of uh, faithfulness of the land. There's there is a famine in the land, and and when you're hungry like that, and when there's famine, and when a person lives under the judgment of God, there's desperation, uh, and the people were not only hungry for bread, but they were and for food, but they were also hungry for spiritually. Uh, their leaders had abandoned God and led them. You know, you could say in a physical sense, these guys that that are with Elisha have death in the pot, but the nation of Israel also has death in the pot. And God is showing the nation of Israel through the prophet that if if you will just, you know, flower becomes a type of the word. If you'll just come back to the word, if you'll just come back to me, I'll take the poison out. Uh, I'll take good care of you. Uh, and I think that the application for us as well is is like in times of famine, times of difficulty, you know, you're just you're hungry and you're you're willing to even eat poison. Um, but but right. when you finally find out how poisonous this world is and how poisonous the false doctrine is and whatever you're into, when you finally come to that place where you realize that you cry out to God or you go to someone trusted and God uses them in their life to bring spiritual life back into your back into your life. So that would be not only what happened, but I think some spiritual applications for us. Perfect. Thank you. That's pretty much how I was thinking it was supposed to go, but I didn't wasn't for sure. <laughs> yeah, you know, the exciting thing, you're in one of the most exciting parts of the Bible, you know, between Elijah, Elisha, David, uh, you know, King Saul, that whole, man, it, it is one of the most exciting sections in all the Bible where, where God has... Uh, great significant truths and and when you look at it for what's happening you know and, and being able to determine exactly what happened then remember just remember when you're studying Elijah Elisha they are messengers of God to the nation of Israel don't ever forget that they're not messengers of God to us first and foremost they're messengers of God to the nation of Israel when they were alive so we've got to understand what they were saying to them then before we can ever understand what what is what God's saying to us today? Right. Yeah, I understand. I was just a little hung up on that. I thank you for your time and you answered my question. <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for calling. God bless you. Right. Bye bye. All right. Looks like we're coming up on a break so quickly. Glad you joined us. Hey, we had a. So I, I think I was sharing in the beginning of the show, but I I we we got to the calls, which is great. We got a one open line. 303-690-3000. I was sharing that we had a Q&A session last night. I, I would encourage you to go to on our website or go to our app and listen to last night's Q&A because we're in between books, right? So we just finished Daniel and we're in between books. We're going to do a couple fun things in these weeks uh, and then we are going to be back. Uh, we're going to start a brand new book on First Peter and it's going gonna, it's gonna to speak directly to our day right now. Uh, it, we are going to let the Bible define for us how to respond to oppressive governments, how to respond to suffering, how to respond to leaders cutting our heads off or putting masks on us or whatever. We're going to learn how to respond. And it's not going to be because of a YouTube video. And it's not going to be because of an opinion. And it's not going to be because of patriotism or nationalism. Um, there is a place for all of that, opinions, convictions, nationalism, patriotism. We uh, approach those that have served or are serving in our military. We appreciate them. We love you. We thank you for dying for the freedoms of our country. Uh, but that wasn't a permanent, um, that wasn't permanent. 
any leader can come and restrict us and but but the church can't be restricted so peter's going to tell us like he's telling a group of suffering people this is how you handle this this is how you handle it and you will be challenged i think because some of the ways that christians are responding some of the ways that pastors are responding aren't reflecting the biblical narrative, the biblical teaching, true Christian sound doctrine. You hear the music. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. we got a couple online, and we have an open line. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back to Calvary Live. I had to get back here fast. Those breaks are really, really fast and really, really short. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. We're in our 21st year, unprecedented times. I was saying right before the break, if you just joined us, saying right before the break that uh, we are, uh, we had a Q&A last night, so kind of like Calvary Live, but but in uh, with my son Joshua, pastor, one of our administrative pastors, and uh, we were able to influence uh, my wife, Marie, to MC it. Usually Pastor Ian MCs it. Uh, but he wasn't able to do it last night, so we Marie did a phenomenal job. I uh, want to see her do more of that. Um, her giftings, you know, there's so much talk about women in ministry and and things. I'm telling you, women, you are a gift to the church. Use your gifts, rise up, and answer the call to serve Jesus. Uh, whatever stage of life you're in, if you're a mom then man, be the best mom. If you're a grandma, be the best grandma. If you are an empty nester, you have a call to pray with women. You have a call to counsel, biblically disciple women. Women, you guys, you lead worship, uh, teach the Bible. We are so appreciative of women in the ministry. And I could see that with my wife being able to serve. I think that, I'm sure it's not a first, but I bet you it is a first on the stage where I served uh, with my wife and my son at the same time. And then my daughter was also serving uh, in the same room, doing something differently. And, um, you know, that's one of the the benefits that God has given to us. And I want to encourage you. So I I didn't think to go this way, because I'll get to this question about the historic uh, treaty today. But just let me encourage you, parents. Maybe it's a word from the Lord. Um, I came from a uh, my parents stayed married, but kind of a fractured family. Everybody did their own thing, and my parents worked a lot. Uh, my sister and I never got along, uh, and so we all did our own thing. Caused a lot of problem. I didn't have one of those, um, oh, what do you call it? Uh, leave it to beaver type uh, upbringing. Even though my parents stayed married, even though my dad, uh, they provided uh, for all of our needs, uh, we weren't like, and even though we get we generally got along, I generally got along with my parents. Uh, we just didn't have that tight family, and um, and then Marie came from a family that was different as well. But and then we got married. We weren't saved. There was no. I mean, our marriage was ready to head to divorce on more than one occasion. 
that's what happens when you're married to an alcoholic, uh, to a drug abuser, and just an all-around idiot. So Marie wanted to leave me uh, multiple occasions, and, and God intervened. And God can intervene. And let me be clear, when I refer to myself as an idiot, that's the only one I'm referring to. I don't know everyone else's situation, but I know what I was. And I know how I behaved. And I'm not giving you permission to call the person. Let that person come to their own self-realization of where they are when God changes them. And don't give up on them. Because Marie didn't leave me permanently. We stayed together long enough, two years, I think, for God to intervene. We endured the difficulty for us a couple years, maybe three years. Um, we were born again. So here's the point. The point is this. God revolutionized our family and changed our family unit and forever, forever for the future. And ever since we were young, you know, before we were pastoring or anything, my, my family served in the church. Um, the, my kids have always been amazing with other kids. So all of my kids have served in Sunday school, children's ministry. Uh, we've gone on mission trips together. Of course, we all tithe um, individually. You know, we made the kids, we taught the kids how to tithe when, you know, it didn't matter what they, if they got found a dollar, if they got birthday money, and if they got, you know, gift cards, you know, and they want to wise act, you know, be a wise acre and say, oh, you know, what am I supposed to do, dad? Cut the gift card? No, bro, I'll cash you out. And then, you know, once I cash you out, then you, you got to tithe on that. Every increase, the Bible says on your increase. So that includes your, your chore money, includes your allowances, includes, so we taught our kids that. And, and then to think now, fast forward, my kids are adults. You know, of course my son Eddie went home to be with the Lord, but he chose a career path of helping not only in the church, but outside of the church as a, as a believer and a police officer. Thank you, police officers that are listening. I know it's a very demoralizing time for you right now, and I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry that it's hard for you. But God is with you, and you are ordained by God, and you're one of the good ones. I know it's just a few bad ones. It's like pastors. You know, you got a guy that commits adultery, now every pastor's bad. And you have a, a police officer that's really bad, now every police officer. That's not true. Every police officer's not bad. Most of them are very good. And very, they put their lives on the line every day. So thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So my son served in that way, and I'm serving with my boys and my son and my wife at church yesterday. And I say all that to say that God can do that in your family too. It's never too late. I just did a Bible study for our church in Hebrews on Moses' parents. you got to listen. Just go to our website, go to our studies, put in Moses' parents. It's in Hebrews. Listen to that study. Here's the bottom line. Egypt can't have our kids. I don't care how old they are. Egypt can't have our kids. So at any rate. That was on my heart, and I was just listening to the q and a It was so good. you know we get maybe ten fifteen calls, you know maybe ten fifteen texts uh, on a typical show. Uh, we had fifty plus sixty something I think last night, just text we didn't take any calls, just text so it's a very popular thing, and our churches was there on their phones giving us calls. It was really good, so um questions so let's see here um where are we? I think we are with. Um, I'm sorry, Rita, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you, and I was there last night, and it was amazing. It was fun. Um, and you just mentioned that you were going to talk about um, the signing today that I'm sure is historic, 
and that was one of my questions. Um, and I do have a praise report. I believe my daughter is listening. Um, yes. You and I have prayed together for her. Yes. And her name is Laura, and she is on fire for the Lord. Oh, that's great. And I just, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. And um, if you have time to get, another question that I would have is the difference, what is the difference between the day of the Lord and the day of Jesus? Okay, great. Well, today, uh, for those of you uh, that have been following the news, but especially for those that maybe haven't been following the news, a a historic agreement uh, was signed today between Israel and the United Arab Emirates. Uh, and their goal is to normalize relations. This is the first time in 26 years that there has uh, been an Arab-Israeli peace agreement. And they're basically saying that we want to have all the types of relationships uh, with the United Arab Emirates that we do with other countries. And this is you know, the first time in 26 years that an Arab state has agreed to make peace with Israel. The first was Egypt back in 70s. Uh, the last one was the Kingdom of Jordan uh, in late or in the early 1990s. And this is not going to get a lot of press in the mainstream media because President Trump uh, was a big part of brokering this deal. Uh, and the I forget the guy's name, the um, our um, ambassador to Israel. Uh, I forget his name. I could see his face. Uh, he was a big part of it, uh, and so this was a long process um, that that they will um, come into an agreement. We still don't know yet all of uh, the implications of what this is. I do know that senior officials from the United Arab Emirates have said to Israel that that they could have full normalization or annexation, but they can't have both. So there is some... You know, there's still some maneuvering. You know, we're still dealing with the governments of man, but the idea that the UAE would go public, um, you know, it could be that they are going to be a brokering chip to slow down annexation. I mean, to even to call it annexation is, is not entirely accurate because we know that the land has been given to the nation of Israel, but this is a political, you know, a human political uh, decision. So keep your eyes open and follow uh, media outlets that aren't the mainstream so that you can, for for one, you can follow my friend Joel Rosenberg on Twitter, uh, probably has a Facebook presence as well, but Joel Rosenberg um, writes on these things and I follow him on Twitter, that's where I get a lot of information, but I also like reading some of the sources from Israel, the Jerusalem Post, Haaretz, and you got to understand that that's their mainstream media, but at least you can understand how the people of Israel receive their news and but I would, I would suggest right away uh, Rosenberg's blog. Um, also, another blog um, or another website I would recommend uh, is Amir Safadi. Uh, he's also on Twitter. He also has a website where he communicates a lot, YouTube. Uh, those are two good sources to see weaving bib- the biblical significance of decisions like this. Are you still with us? I am. I am. Okay, I good. I don't know if we're going to say okay. anything else. I wasn't that. sure. Yeah. Do you have any follow-up? or? You had... 
Well, I just think, you know, I, I agree with you. I, Joel Rosenstein is great. Um, and I don't know if you have any, if you have enough time then to speak on the difference between um, the day of the Lord and the day of Jesus. Yeah, the day of the Lord is a reference to the second coming of Jesus Christ. It ushers in uh, the, uh, it, it identifies a time that takes place at the end of history. Um, the associated, like another way that the day of the Lord is described in the Bible is that day. Uh, right. And, you know, one of the ways to understand these things, these phrases, is that they always identify a span of time, not necessarily an event a span of time which God personally intervenes in history directly or indirectly. And most scholars or most commentators associate the day of the Lord with a period of time or a special day that occurs when God's will and his purpose for his God's will and his God's purposes for the world will be fulfilled. Another view of it is that it, it speaks of a longer period of time, the millennial period, is sometimes referred to as the day of the Lord, um, but I'm trying to think of. Do you do you know? Let me just look. Do you are you where the day of Christ might be used? I'm trying to think of a time that that phrase might be used. Let's see. Um, in the New King James, I well here in Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Being confident of this very thing, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So that day, I think, being re revealed there in Philippians 1 is his return. Um, I think at that day of Christ is when you and I are reunited with him, whether it be at the rapture uh, or uh, okay. at his second coming. I think the day of Christ, I'm looking at another reference Paul uses in uh, Philippians I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I've not. Now, that phrase is interesting. Uh, it could mean the Paul in Philippians 2.16 could be referring to, uh, again, the rapture of the church or that time when we're face-to-face, -face, or the day of Christ in Philippians 2 could be a reference to the Bema seat where all of our rewards will be sorted out. Um, now, when you come to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2, another place that the day of Christ uh, is reference. I think that's a reference to the rapture. So if you put these three verses together, um, four verses, I think the day of Christ could, and I'm just talking off the top of my head here, I think it would be uh, a reference to the rapture of the church. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, Pastor Ed. And You're welcome. I agree Great question. You, last night when you told Marie how lucky she is that she can just ask you a question anytime. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that was a joke. Um, that is know, not how the, know, but it how is the house true. works. But she was <laughs> still taken off guard. Evening. Thank you, Thank Rita. You. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, we were a little joke jokesters up on the stage yesterday. and um, uh, But I do love that woman, and I'm grateful to... Um, grateful to um, be married to her. And uh, we've been through a lot together, a lot of ups and downs, a uh, lot of challenges, uh, personally, spiritually, physically. As we're getting older, it's hard to believe um, that we are getting older, but we are. And of course, emotionally, um, a lot of uh, 
difficulties we've experienced in life have to do with this church um, and the people that have betrayed us or come against us or lied about us. It's a, it's, it's a minefield, um, and we're still standing, and the Lord is able to make us stand. And I only share that, you know, as I'm thinking and seeing her smile, I have a, a photographic memory, you know, and so I see her smiling up on the stage yesterday, and you know what? We're still serving the Lord. And we're going to serve him until we go down, period. That's just, we're going to stand strong in the grace of God. And we're going to serve him. And it doesn't matter what comes our way. We face some really bad things. Uh, you know, the not only with um, the, the death of our son, but all the drama surrounding our son where pastors uh, came against us and people still have come against us. I mean, sur- to, to have that surrounding the death of your son, like the death, your son being in a coma and then dying with all the circumstances that surround and then still have that like you're like how could you survive that well one you nobody really knows all that went down there except the people that were involved and nobody really knows except really the lord i guess what he protected us from and what he enabled us from and and what it did was it carved a new channel in my heart for you and i don't know your whole story and and i don't know and it, it makes me repentant for the times that I might have handled or mishandled a situation because I made an assumption about what you're going through. And, you know, God's growing me like he's growing you. And, and you know, I, 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 I hate that season of my life. It hasn't ended. It's seven years plus. It doesn't end. Um, you know, grief doesn't end. Uh, this stinking drama doesn't end. Um, you know, just like you some of you and my heart is knit together with yours maybe we'll never meet maybe i'll never have a chance to talk to you but i pray for you when i think of the situations in our lives it causes me to pray it causes me to live in a perpetual place of brokenness now i wish it was perpetual but there are those times where i think oh yeah i'm strong now and and uh but but the reality is, is that I need to be broken. God loves brokenness. Can I, can I just remind you of that today? God loves brokenness. He, he takes great, great delight in our personal brokenness. Um, you may not, but God actually is attracted. I would go so far to say that God is attracted to brokenness in a person's life. To those of you that have gone through a divorce, for those of you that have family drama, or drama with your in-laws that they just, or drama where you can't see your kids or your grandkids. It's just unbelievable. Drama in your marriage, drama at work, passive-aggressive nonsense, uh, pastors not being pastors. I've experienced that to me and my family. You trust a man, you trust a couple men, and they absolutely not only fail you, but refuse to admit they failed you. Man, that's, that's part of the package. Will you go down bitter or will you turn to be better? Right? You, that's the question when you're wronged. Will you go down bitter or will you let the Lord make you better? Will you be broken? Will you be in the place where, you're, where you are attractive, where God is drawn to you? Listen to this in Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart 
and save such as has a contrite spirit. Isn't that great? The Lord is near. Jot it down. Memorize it, you that are brokenhearted, you that are being humbled through your circumstances. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. How about this one? Psalm 51, verse 7. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. That's what you offer. You offer that to God. A broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, 17. By the way, Psalm 51, 17 is within the context of David's repentance. It was his own sin. So sometimes it's our own sin. Like none of us are innocent in any difficulty, right? We're not innocent. It's not, look what they did while I was perfect. No, 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 no. Nobody, every difficulty includes uh, sin on both sides. And since you don't control the other person, you only control yourself, you're the one that needs to repent and ask for forgiveness and reach out to see if God might bring reconciliation. And I'm just telling you by experience, not everybody wants reconciliation. They like to live in their new narrative. They like to make things up. They, they like to live in fantasy land. And so you sit down with them, oh, I never did it. And I, okay, I'm clean. Right? You can hear it with the microphone. My hands are clean. And your hands can be clean too. So if you're dealing with bitterness or unforgiveness, email me, would you? I'll send you some things that will help you uh, in the Word. Uh, email me at ed at edtaylor.org. ed at edtaylor.org. And I'll send you some resources, free. You can print them out, PDFs. I'll send you scriptures if you want. Just ask me and say, hey, Ed, you talked about bitterness. And I've got, I've got stuff ready to send you. All I need to do is cut and paste it, and it'll be right in your email. Send it to me, ed at edtaylor.org. Make sure it's .org, okay? All right, let me check and see. We're uh, coming up at the end of the program here. Uh, give, us a, give us a call. We've got open lines, 303-690-3000. Um, so we have uh, just a follow-up. If you're looking for information on Israel, um, a couple of great sources, very trustworthy. Number one, Joe Rosenberg, B-E-R-G. Uh, I know him personally. He's a good friend of mine. Um, uh, I really, uh, I met him through Pastor Gino and his parents, um, and so grateful for them, grateful for the Rosenberg family. And then, so you can find him on Twitter. And then the other one I mentioned was Amir, A-M-I-R Safati. I think it's... T-S-A-F-T-I. And he provides a lot of good info um, on Israel and prophecy. And, and you know, just, just understand, you, um, you just got to test everything by the Word of God. And, you know, sometimes people, in, and Amir does this sometimes with prophecy, where he'll stretch it a little bit uh, because he's trying to, 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 to compare, social, uh, you know, whatever's happening now to the future. You don't... Just because I'm recommending them doesn't mean you accept everything they say or everything I say, right? Because you you want to test everything by the Word of God and uh, and be sure to do that. So if you're dealing with bitterness, email me, uh, ed at edtaylor.org, ed at edtaylor.org. Here's a great question. Uh, would you consider Catholic Christians? Um, the answer is yes and no. Just like I would say, would you consider anyone going to Calvary Chapel Christians? Yes and no. 
um, because we do have quite a people, quite a few people coming in our church coming through that aren't believers. And just because they're in a religious system, because they own a Bible, because they come to church, doesn't mean they're saved. And and so I use that that logic with those that uh, identify with Catholicism. That are there are many people in Catholicism that want to see reform. There are many people in Catholicism that just kind of were born into it culturally, and they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, and they don't go any farther. And so in these times, I'm just grateful that God will identify who the believers are and who they're not, not necessarily associated with a particular church. However, I want to be clear that Roman Catholic doctrine is unbiblical, and we do share a few things that we agree on, like the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but Roman Catholicism is a works-based religious system that it must be followed in order for you to be saved. That is unbiblical. And we don't believe in the sacraments. We don't believe in sacramental Christianity or whatever that might be. We don't believe in the mass. Uh, we don't believe in the false teachings of Roman Catholicism. We don't believe in tradition trumps the Bible. Um, there, there are a lot of problems with the religious system of Roman Catholicism. But can God use Roman Catholicism to bring a person to saving faith? Yes. And then they need to get out as soon as you can. You got to get out and get into a fellowship family that teaches the word and teaches you. And, and even if this is an area that you want to learn how to communicate with your Catholic friends and family, email me and I'll send you a link to a great book that you should pick up. It's called Reasoning from the Scriptures with Roman Catholics. So can 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 people that say they're Catholic be, be believers? Yes. And then you speak about your grandma and uh, for the passing, and I'm sorry about your grandma passing. Um, and the good news about grandma is that she's she has received the fair, righteous judgment of God. God has dealt with her fairly. And when you and I are in the presence of God, he will deal with us fairly. And whatever his judgment is, whatever his decision is, we will agree with him. And so I'm sorry that your grandmother passed away. I know that's a hard loss. And I gave you some of the thoughts on Catholicism. So email me and I'll send you a link. Uh, just remind me what we were talking about. And, uh, you know, we can talk about those things. Uh, could Muhammad have been used by God as a prophet? Yes. Now, you might be shocked by that, um, but I don't mean as a prophet of God. He can use rocks, God can use donkeys, and he can use unbelievers to speak forth his word. It doesn't mean Muhammad is true. It doesn't mean Islam is true, because it's not. Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. I personally have been rebuked by unbelievers before, and God used them in my life. So in that sense, yes. But in the sense that Muhammad was a prophet of God like Elisha or like Elijah, absolutely not. He was not. He did not uh, develop a system of religion that's truthful, that is biblical, because Jesus Christ is the one way he had declared one truth and one life and only uh, the only way to the Father, period. So great question um katie kate kate i will i have two minutes i will try to take your call so let's go to line one kate in frederick Hello. we only have two minutes Hello. so i'm gonna i'm gonna read two your minutes. question all okay. right let me read it 
you want to know how we should be reacting to everyone, everything that's going on in the world today. Um, I get that right? Yes. Basically, okay. yes. <laughs> so I, I, uh, I think it's time. I'm having a really I, hard time. I'm having a really, really hard time with well, do, what do I do with with all this evil and all this the protesting and the hatred in the world. I'm like, I know I'm supposed to pray for it, but I'm finding myself wanting to just go buy a gun. Not that that's a bad thing and not that that's a good thing. I wouldn't use it in that sense. But it's like to protect myself, do I have a right to do that? I mean, I I think it's just really crazy right now. Well, I think the best way to answer that in the short time I have is that it's time for us to return to a simple, basic Christianity where our relationship with Jesus is everything and that in our abiding relationship with him, he's going to lead us to make the decisions that are necessary to honor and glorify him. If we get our eyes on the circumstances and the difficulty of our culture, then it's going to drive us to be emotional. That's true. It's going to drive us to be fearful. But if we're abiding in Christ, he's going to give us a reasonable understanding of what his will is for our life, for our family, um, in my case, for our church, so that we can be, we will be the salt and the light. You know, Jesus came on the scene in a very violent, hostile time. They, matter of fact, Jesus Christ submitted to the government to the point of personal death. He was illegally crucified, and yet he he started in motion, fulfilling 100% the Father's will. He started in motion the teachings of salvation that got you and me saved. 2,000 years later, and that's what I want to be a part of. So thanks for calling. Hey, well, thanks for joining me today. Come to church this weekend in person, calvaryco.church. You've got to be there. We're studying verse You've by verse through Hebrews. Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.